0: Well, good morning, everyone. Um, I might just have those that last song up on the screen, thanks. Um, isn't it wonderful to understand the things that we sing as a, as a church? We... We sing every week, it's what we do, it's a bit of a custom of what we do as a church and it's just wonderful to understand what is it that we're actually singing and to, to grasp or, or to comprehend or to take in the things that we're actually uh, singing about. I mean, consider that consider that line that we sang, you sang uh, today, consider the line that we sang together, till I am stripped of all my glory, till Christ is seated, reigning in my heart. I mean, that is, what does that mean? Like, you, we sing this these words and... And um, they're words that aren't light words, they're, they're words that are quite uh, deep and they're confronting in a lot of ways. And um, it does us well to consider the things that we're singing about, to understand. We don't, we don't come to play church on a Sunday, do we? None of you come here to play church, none of you come here to, to be co- in a comfortable religion. You come here, I I assume you come here this morning because what you want to experience is more of Christ. What you want to experience is more of his truth. Because you know this truth that you're experiencing is going to make you more free. It's going to set you free. It's going to work in your heart. It's going to change your life. It's going to heal your relationships. It's going to heal your soul. Those things, So you come not wanting just to play games and skirting around the edges. You're coming wanting to confront the person that you are because the person that you are needs to become the person that is Christ's. And so when we we sing songs like, Lord, just strip me of my glory. Do we know what we're actually asking God to do? Strip me of my glory. Do you understand the prayer that we're asking God as we pray that prayer? Because what you're saying to God is, God, what I, what I don't want anymore, I don't want anything that kind of reflects who I am as a person, but when it, when it contradicts to who you are as a person. I don't want anything in terms of my thinking, my attitude, my behavior, my words. I want it all to reflect who you are, that people see my thoughts. If people were to see my thoughts, or if they, when they see my deeds and they, see my, when they hear my words, they think, oh, that's what Jesus would have done. And so when we're saying um, to strip me of all my glory... We're not not interested in what's going to make us look good or feel good. What we're interested in is what is going to highlight and glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the church. That's the church. And when the church started 2,000 years ago, it had the same intention. It wanted Jesus to live and reign in everything that it did. That's our prayer this morning. And if that's your prayer this morning, that you're going to be, your heart is going to be lifted up and encouraged by the things you'll hear this morning. If that's your prayer, that's what's going to encourage you this morning through the Word. We also sang another song this morning, and the song was, if you go back a couple of songs, the song was um, "In Control." Um, through valleys, I will trust. Listen to this: what you saying, what we sang this morning was, your spirit, your spirit is enough to keep me walking. I want you to contemplate again the things that we sing. It's good. It's an advantage for us to understand the things we sing. Your spirit, God, is enough to keep me walking. And, and I don't know this morning whether you feel like, you know, how can you keep walking? How can you keep going? How can you keep striving? How can you keep fighting the good fight? And what we're, what we're singing, what is true, is that His Spirit, His Spirit is enough to keep me walking. Because it's His Spirit in you that's doing the work that has to be done. It's His Spirit in you that you're relying on, you that you're depending on to transform and change you. There's no way in the world you could do the things that you do unless it's by His Spirit. You can't do it. You're defenseless. You're powerless. You're, you're useless when it comes to the things of God if it was not for His Spirit. If God was to take His Spirit away from you, if God took His Spirit away from you and your life did not change, that is concerning. It's concerning because then it reveals that you're doing things in your own strength and your own power and your own might. That's very concerning. If you felt, oh, if God's Spirit left this earth, oh, I'd be the same person. That's very concerning, because when God's Spirit comes into our life, that's the thing that changes and transforms. It's the only thing that allows us, as we yield to His Spirit, it's the only thing that allows us to become into the image of Christ. It's His Holy Spirit. That keeps us walking. So it's to our advantage to understand the things that we're actually singing. And as we sing from week to week or as you sing during the week, let's remember, these are, the, these are powerful words that uh, reflect the heart of, the, of faith and, and are often reflected in the scriptures, uh, just placed in songs, made, made in song. I think that's, um, uh, that's, good, that's good to know, it's good to remember. Okay, let's pray. And I'll share with you briefly from the word as we continue to look into his marvellous Truths that build us up in the faith. Father God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for every gift you give us and especially the gift of your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father God, for every person that is here this morning. We pray, Lord God, that you open up hearts, and you soften hearts, that you allow hearts and lives to be drawn to you. Lord Jesus, we need you and we pray your blessing on all that is said. Father, we need you in everything, whether it's people here, people traveling. Father, we continue to pray your, your safety, uh, your strength, your help, your guidance in everything that we're doing. We pray your blessing uh, on us, Lord Jesus, because we are so dependent on you. So, Father, we pray. Bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, let's open our Bibles to 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter, chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. One of the great desires that we have when we share the word of God with you, one of the great desires we have is for Christians to become um, genuine, genuine in their faith. It's, it's kind of pointless to share with you anything and your faith not be genuine. So one of the great desires in sharing with you is to make sure that you come to the stage of your life where you can say, look, my faith in Christ is a genuine faith. It's a genuine faith. And we want to see that because we want you to experience everything of Christ. It's the, what we call, what the Bible calls, the fullness of Christ. We want you to experience the fullness of Christ. And you can't experience the fullness of Christ unless your faith is authentic, unless your faith is genuine, unless the Spirit of God is working in your life. And the more you resist the Spirit of God in your life, the less opportunity, and, and you'll never experience what we know as the fullness of of Christ. And so as adults who seek meaning in life, we hope and we know and we trust and believe that the Lord Jesus Christ brings that into your life as you seek him. For young people, as you seek calling in life and what's your calling in life, we know the Lord Jesus Christ is going to impart that into your life as you put him first and as you trust him. You don't need to worry about calling in life as young people. You don't need to fear and be worried about what's my calling, what's my direction, where am I going to go, who am I going to become because the Lord Jesus Christ has got that secure and Set for you, if you trust in Him, He'll He'll make it work. He'll He'll pave the path, the way for you. He'll He'll make sure that you are f- there where you need to be, because you are trusting in Him, and He promises, He promises to take care of that. And so, these things that we experience in life are not um, just myths and ideas. These are real life experiences, because the Lord Jesus Christ is living and alive, and He's doing work in all the hearts of those who trust in Him. And so, at the end of the day. We don't, uh, we don't come preaching the word because we can't make anyone do anything that they don't want to do. It's not us saying to you that you have to do this. It's not us saying that, you know, uh, we want you to, um, you, know, you, got, you, you, must do, you must be acting like this or you must be acting like that. It's not us telling you what to do. You, you take it upon yourselves to say, you know what, I want to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to live for him and I'm going to commit my life to everything he wants from me. So the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul wrote so many things in the Word to help us understand more and more of what the God's Spirit is doing. And without this Spirit, without this Spirit in us, you can't do any of it. Did you know that? Without this Spirit in us, it's impossible to find the strength to do anything. Without this Spirit, you're going to have consistently false starts. It's like you can't even move Get off the blocks without this Spirit. It's impossible because God needs to do something in you and that Spirit of God that's working in you is the very thing or very essence and the very person that creates the image of Christ in you. So the Apostle Paul knew this and he wrote this in several ways. In fact, the Bible says that we can't even call the Lord Jesus Christ Lord unless you have the Holy Spirit. Did you know that? 1 Corinthians 12, it says you can't even say Jesus is Lord unless you have the Holy Spirit. You think, what does that mean? Lots of people call him Lord. People say Lord, Lord all the time. But to understand his lordship in your life, to understand that he has full control of everything in your life, to give yourself over to him as Lord and say you are truly Lord, not by your mouth, but by your life, you can only do that if you have the Holy Spirit. If you govern that the Holy Spirit, you'll be saying things like, Lord Jesus, Lord, Lord, thank you, Lord, love you, Lord. You'll be saying all those things, but it means nothing. It means nothing. They're just words. In fact, Jesus said that. He said, they come to me close with their mouths, but they're hard, far from me. So the Holy Spirit is a very important part of the Christian life. And I speak to you this morning because I could simply ask you a simple question like this. Are you convinced, are you confident the Holy Spirit lives within you? And it's very bizarre because we don't often hear messages like this. Does the Holy Spirit live within you? Are you confident that when Jesus left this earth, he said, I'm going to leave this earth and I'm going to send you a comforter? That comforter is the Holy Spirit. He doesn't leave us orphans, he says. He doesn't leave us abandoned, he says. He says, I'm going to go and I'm going to send someone. He's the Holy Spirit and he is going to live within you. When that happens, your whole life is transformed. People say things like, I saw the lights. What they're really saying is God's Spirit has come within them from an empty soul to now a soul that is filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us that we are His temple, the temple of the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in that temple, that temple glows the, rad- the radiance of Christ's glory. It becomes the very thing that starts to work in us. So when the people before used to say, I can't do this or I can't overcome this, when the Spirit of God comes into their life, they are people who begin to say, I have done this. Not because of their own strength, but because of the power and the strength of the Holy Spirit in them. Unless, of course, you choose to grieve Him. And when we grieve the Holy Spirit... We're not going to see his fruit in our lives. And that's a very, very dangerous thing to do. So the Apostle Paul spoke much of the work of God's Spirit. But I believe he did this because he wanted his people, God's people, to be authentic and genuine in their faith. To be true in who they are. To be genuine in their life for Christ. Because he knew the same thing, that he would not have been able to do this unless he found himself yielding to the Holy Spirit, humbling himself before God and allowing God's Spirit to work in his life. So he wrote things. He wrote things to expose hypocrisy and to expose error in the church. He did that. He needed to do that because he could not have his church, or he could not have the church of Jesus just doing religion. He needed them to be authentic in their faith because the Spirit of God that was working in them. In fact, in fact, if they weren't, they'd have to examine themselves whether they were actually in the faith, he tells them. So this is good for us. This is exciting for us. Because I can go all of a sudden, all of a sudden I can start thinking to myself, I don't need to doubt what God's Spirit is able to do in me. If God wants, is confronting me about something, if God's challenging me with something, that I know if His Spirit is living in me, and I know He is, I know that that He's challenging me with is going to be accomplished in me. I know that, because it's by His Spirit. Gone are the days where we would feel defenseless, weak, defeated, incapable, because we relied on who we were. Gone are the days when we thought to ourselves, I can't do this, I can't keep forgiving, I can't keep loving, I can't keep going the extra mile, I can't keep being caring, I can't keep showing compassion. Gone are the days when we we, we always found our default to be, I can't. Because the Spirit of God is now in us. And if the Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is now in us, what do you expect to see? think about it for a moment the same spirit that had the ability to raise a man from the dead is that weak or powerful is that kind of something, nothing or something significant that same spirit the bible says now lives in us and if that same spirit that raised christ from the dead lives in us what do you expect to see in you from glory to glory to glory to the image of Christ and this is why this is why the word of God is so exciting because it's telling us these things and teaching us these things that we become more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ and so so much so that God is more concerned about what is happening within us rather than what's going on outside of us because outsides can be deceiving you know, you might be having a bad day, but it doesn't mean the Spirit of God isn't working in your life. You might be in a, not a very good mood, but it doesn't mean the Spirit of God is not working in your life. And as you trust Him, God is transforming these things, rather than, listen carefully, rather than yielding to the flesh. Because that is going to rob you from what God's Spirit is trying to do for you. And if you yield to the flesh, you find yourself um, grieving the Holy Spirit. It's not outward. You can speak as much as you want about your faith. You can sing as loud as you want about your faith. You can talk and use the Christian vocabulary as much as you want about your faith. But what's more important is God's Spirit is working in you. Sound, noises, words, voices, all those things are only half of what God is wanting to do. They're not the evidence of what God is doing in you. The other day I was at the shops and one of those little, uh, there was like a two-year-old um, and they were wearing those very, you know, those very squeaky shoes. When they were like, every step was quite—it's actually quite humorous. It was squeak, 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 squeak. Every step was a squeak, really loud in the shopping centre. I thought, you're never going to lose that child, are you? That squeaky sound shoe every step. And I thought to myself, you know what? That can't be the church. Just squeaky sounds. You can't do that as a church. We can't do that as a church. It can't be a squeaky sound because we know what to say. We know what to sing. We know how loud to sing. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's not about the sounds you're making. It's about the life God is transforming in you. So when you come and you sing worship to God, it's beautiful, isn't it? And you feel built up. Listen carefully. You are built up in worship. That's exciting. That's exciting that is very exciting to be built up in worship but you cannot be inflated by worship that's dangerous do you understand you cannot be inflated by worship you must be built up by worship that's why when you worship sometimes you are challenged you are confronted you are you might find yourself crying and repenting because you are you are you are sincerely worshiping with the understanding that's why i brought up a couple of those words in the songs because that's how we worship and so we can't be inflated by worship because to be inflated by worship is to go out, have an argument with your partner as you go out and all of a sudden you're like getting angry again. What happened to your worship? You, you, you look so spiritual in your worship. You look so strong in your worship. And then what, two minutes later you're having an argument and a fight? That doesn't make sense to me. We're not to be inflated by worship. We're not to be inflated by church. We are to be built up we are to be built on a solid rock. That solid rock is allowing the spirit of God to work in us so we hear the word and we say, Lord, I am committed to your word 100%. It's not about me, Lord. It's about you. I'm going to lay down my life and you're going to live in me forever and your spirit is going to do the work he needs to do in me. It needs to be built on this truth, not just inflated by how we feel. You get that? And so the apostle Paul was very, very concerned about this. He was very concerned about this because he wanted a church that was solid, not a church that just looked pretty. And that church that is solid is a solid church that must continue to grow by the word of God. And so, in 2 Timothy, um, in Second Timothy chapter three, he addresses some of these things. And I want you to listen firstly to the to the to the words that he uses, and it's actually quite a quite a fascinating list of words here that he chooses to use and he says but in the last days uh, but you know this that in the last days perilous times will come now if you're familiar with this passage I want you to stay with me for a moment because there's some really fascinating things in this passage that I want to draw your attention to we're only going to read five verses Okay, but in these five verses, it's full of things that we need to be aware of because of what the apostle Paul is doing is he's exposing he's exposing stuff that isn't good for Christians to be doing because he wants a church that's solid on the rock, built up, led by the Spirit, and working working uh, having God's work in their lives. So he says, in the last days, there's going to be some really bad things happen. In the last days, there's going to be some really perilous times. What comes to your mind? Some really perilous times. Really risky, dangerous things going on. Global warming. Terrorism. They're all bad things, aren't they? changes in some of our laws the restriction of freedom of speech they're all bad things aren't they and that's not what well, the apostle paul isn't saying they're not bad things but he wants us to get to a different matter he wants us to look just locally as local as our own hearts says, he you know there's going to be perilous times in the last days and the very first thing that's going to happen he goes people are going to be lovers of themselves They're going to love themselves. You think, oh, hang on, that's not right. We're, we're told we're going to love ourselves, don't we? We're told, we're told we have to um, make sure that we, we look at positively on ourselves. They're going to be lovers of themselves. And all of a sudden, this self consuming love for oneself is at the detriment of their own soul and and the relationships with so many other people. Who can survive in a world where people are selfish? Is that possible? When God's called us to community, God's called us to love one another. God's called us to lay down our life for one another. God's called us to forgive. God's told us to turn the other cheek. God's called us all these things that He knows by His design best works for anyone in community and anyone in relationship to Him. And says, you know what? It's going to be really dangerous one day because people are just going to be thinking about themselves. Do you reckon we might be close to that in this generation? He says, Oh, they're going to be lovers of money. They're going to be boasters. They're going to be proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. How many parents in this room feel to themselves, What's going on? What's happening? Why is this happening? Well, in the last days, disobedience to parents. Parents deserve respect. Parents deserve that obedience. And yet, in the last days, the Bible says there's going to be this, this um, abundance of disobedience toward parents. Unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self control, brutal despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And I want you just, just to think for a moment about that list. I'm going to just go through and just talk about two or three of them as just to give you examples. But just I just want you to think about that list for a moment. And if we're really sincere about our faith, the very first thing, when I read that list, this is what I do. I read that list and I don't think all of a sudden of my neighbour. I don't think all of a sudden of the person that's annoying me. I don't think all of a sudden of my colleague at work. I don't think that when I read this list. The first thing I do is this, Lord, is it me? Is it me? Do I love money, Lord? Am I unsatisfied with what I have and all I want is more? Or do I live in a continual state of contentment? knowing that if I have more, I have less, I'm content. Lord, am I a boaster? Am I uh, proud? In other words, it's all about me. Why do they talk like that about me? How come they don't give me the attention that I need? How come they don't give me the affection that I need? How come they don't applaud me the way I should be applauded? Is it about me, Lord God? Am I this? He goes on to talk about... um, um uh, disobedient we talk this made bit unthankful do i carry in me this constant negativity about things or do i as the scriptures teaches me give thanks in all things am i unholy when god calls me to be holy unloving this is an interesting word because the bible is the bible basically saying without natural affection In other words, the people in your life, even your closest people like your siblings and your family, the people in your life where supposedly that should be for you a natural affection, it's not there. The love isn't there. Even to the closest ones where it should be natural for you to love. He goes on to say um, um, unforgiving, Another interesting word in the Greek, unforgiving, where basically it's a word that refers to a truce breaker. You know, when there's a truce, it's like, okay, let's have a peace now, let's, let's, let's work things out. And yet they're a truce breaker. They are so unforgiving that they cannot exist and, and find themselves living consistently in peace with people. It gets broken all the time. <clears throat> maybe it's grudges, maybe It's bitterness. But they start off wanting to live in peace with people. They make these wonderful plans. We're going to communicate more. We're going to do this more. And then they just can't do it because there's unforgiveness in their hearts. They need to get rid of the bitterness and the grudges in their own lives for this truce to maintain. Make sense? Because it's unforgiveness. Paul's concerned. He's very concerned. He's not doing this to put us down. He's telling us to expose things because it's not good for us. Slanderers, false, that word is false accusers, slanderers. You know this word most times in the New Testament refers to the word devil. It actually has the word devil. That's called a false accuser. But in this context it's referred to as a slanderer. In other words, you're finding things in people that aren't even true, which often reveals a problem in you than in them. They become slanderers. They become um, without self-control or brutal. That's an interesting word. It's the word fierce. You know the person where you think to yourself, I better tread carefully around them because any time they might just explode. Remember that sort of people? All of a sudden, for whatever reason, the big outburst. Despisers of good or good people Traders, headstrong. Headstrong is an interesting word because headstrong is a word that suggests that people are so heavy in their head. The literal definition of it is they're so heavy in their head that they're just going to fall down. They're headstrong. In other words, they are. The actual meaning of it is that they're very impulsive. They don't think of the consequences. Man, I really want to do this. I really want to. I really want to do this. I'm going to go do it, and they don't think. Oh, and all of a sudden, they've just damaged their own lives and the lives of people around them. Making stupid decisions that end up hurting people. They're headstrong. Haughty. This is a word that suggests that you're so you're so proud you're blind. Nah, not me. Really? Me? I'm like that? Yes, you are. Nah, it can't be me like that. Maybe it's you. lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God in other words you know what I want to do this thing because I really like it I think it's going to make me feel really really good and I can't think the thought of not having it upsets me and you know what it doesn't really matter at the end of the day what God thinks because I really want this here's a list here's a list of things why is it in the Bible even couldn't we just I don't know had it like an appendix Refer to this if you want to see a list of sins or bad behaviours. Why is it even in there? Oh, I know why it's in there. Because what Paul was trying to do, he was trying to say, hey, let me give you a picture of the world. You reckon that's why he put it in there? Let me tell you what the world is like. Let me tell you the kinds of things that you, when you come to a church, you're protected from. You're guarded from. Do you reckon that's why he put it in there? Not at all. He put it in there because what he saw and he witnessed. I believe he saw that happening in the church, and he think, and he's basically saying to him, "It's got to stop," because you can't exist, living life. Trying to do religion and deep down these things are still happening. It does not make sense. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is now in you, and if the same spirit that raised him from the dead is in you, you're going to see victory in these things. That's why in his next verse he's very, very concerned. That's why he says, having a form of godliness but denying its power. That's why he's talking about the church. Do you get that? That's why he's concerned, because he's making reference to the people who are professing a faith. Do you understand? They're having a form of godliness. Outwardly, they look very Christian. Maybe they even read their Bible. Maybe they even go to church twice a week. Maybe they even know how to say praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Maybe they even know every worship song without looking at the words. Maybe, maybe they know how to say to people, God bless you. I don't know. Whatever whatever Paul saw, he saw a form of godliness. You get that? But they denied the power thereof. The very spirit that actually conquers and has victory over all these things he's just mentioned. That they don't live life saying, oh, it's only parents, it's only a bit of pride, it's only a little bit of boasting. Oh, who, who, who can stop boasting? You know, it's something we're gonna live it's, our, it's how we live, it's our lives. We're in the flesh, we we live like this. And Paul's saying, stop. You can't have a form of godliness, and these things are in, in you defeating you and making you weak. It is not Christianity, it is not living for Christ. That's not how you live. Because if you're gonna have a form of godliness, you need the power of the spirit to be working these things in you. So no longer you see pride, no longer you see disobedience to parents, no longer you see a love for money, no longer you see boastfulness and haughtiness and fears being fierce (laughs) no longer do you see these things because christ is now in you by his spirit what you're seeing now is the image of jesus and if you're feeling uncomfortable this morning then you need to be because that spirit in you is making you feel uncomfortable because you can't live by the spirit and by the flesh you can't galatians 5 tells us that if the spirit is in us there's a war if the spirit is in contradiction to the flesh, the flesh is in contradiction to the spirit to do the things that you don't want to do. So now walk in the spirit so you do not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Get that? That's why when people surrender themselves to the spirit, they go home and all of a sudden their wife says to them, oh, what happened to you? Why are you like this now? <laughs> and he, he has no explanation, other explanation to say I've surrendered to Jesus, I've given my life to Jesus and I've yielded to his Holy Spirit. Really, is that all that happened? <laughs> it's not all that happened. It's what happened. I yielded myself to the Holy Spirit and the Lordship of Christ and all of a sudden what you're seeing is not the work I'm doing but the faith I'm putting in Jesus because he's doing this work in me. Hallelujah. Let's go tell the world. I don't know, imagine how many counseling agencies would shut down. I can say that. I've done counseling in my life. I've been trained in counseling. I can say that. I know, I know, I know the power of the Holy Spirit and what it can do in someone's life. And when someone comes and just wants to talk in counseling, just wants to talk, but does not want to yield themselves to the Holy Spirit, very little comes from that counseling. Do you know that? Very little comes from that. But when someone comes saying, you know what, I'm a mess, man. I'm a mess. For me, that already brings joy. I think, "Oh, thank you, Lord. They see themselves for who they are. I'm a mess. But I know the Spirit of God can work in me, and I know the truth can set me free. Hallelujah. Let's talk. Because what God wants, God wants to live in every part of your life. And he doesn't want just a form of godliness where you're just comfortable. You're just comfortable living in just certain areas of your life, doing certain things in your life. It's like someone who who, who builds a new house. They used to have an old house, and they build a new house. And you go to visit them one day, and uh, you see them in their kitchen. And you see them you think, "What are you doing in your kitchen?" And they have got their sleeping bag in their kitchen. It's a big, brand new house. They sleeping bags in their kitchen. The toothbrush and toothpaste is in their kitchen. The washing machine is in their kitchen. The fridge, obviously, is in their kitchen. You think, what are you doing? Yeah, I'm living in my house. What do you mean you're living in your house? I'm living in my house. Look, I've got everything in my kitchen that I need. What, you live here? Yeah, oh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. wonderful. I turn the heater on. I sleep at night. get up, brush my teeth, have breakfast. It's all here. Is that person living in their house, Really? Are they really living in their house? They've got a massive six-bedroom, two-lounge, theater room, whatever it is. Are they really living in their house? Because all they're doing is living in the kitchen. That's not living in your house. We can't say, you know what? Christ lives in me because everything I say, I say for Jesus. But then the way I act is a whole different thing. Or he lives in me because, you know what, I... I'm very good when it comes to going to church. Or I'm actually a nice worker at work. I work well. But another part of my life, I'm working. I don't know if that's the part I want to give to Jesus. You can't do that. You can't have Jesus part of your life and exclude him in other parts and choose the parts that you think are comfortable for enough for him to be Lord of your life. If he is Lord, he is Lord of everything, every part, every thought, every internet search, every um, passage of, Everything that you read, every place that you go to, every conversation that you have, every relationship that you're in, whatever it is, He is Lord of everything. And so the outwardness of Christianity is destructive unless it works the inward power of the Spirit. You get that? And that's why Paul is saying this. He's saying they have a form of godliness, they look Christian. They speak Christian, they act Christian, but in them they are defeated and weak and constantly being um, uh, yielding themselves to the flesh and to sin. It has to stop. So that what we experience, rather, is the power of God working in our lives, transforming and changing us into the image of Jesus. This is exciting. I'm going to wrap it up. This is exciting. Why I think it's exciting is this: because without the Spirit, you can't even get off the starting blocks, can you? <laughs> you can. You'll have so many false starts without the Spirit. You'll try. Oh, false start. Go back. You try. Be like false start. Go back because you're trying to do it in your own strength. You're trying to manipulate a situation. You're trying to convince someone by your own human reasoning. You're trying to build a church by, I don't know, um, methods and methodologies that builds churches, all that stuff, rather than the Spirit of God that first comes into your life and makes you His, yeah, makes you His, and the Spirit of God that transforms your life to become like Him in everything. And as you yield yourself to God's Spirit, And you say, Lord, I can't do this on my own. And you humble yourself before the Lord and say, Lord, I need you in every part of my life. And you yield yourself up to his truth, even when it hurts. It's called denying yourself. Have you heard that before? It's called denying yourself. Even when that experience is there and you deny yourself, this is where you begin to see the power of God working in your life, transforming you. Can I encourage you, beloved? Can I encourage you, brothers and sisters, when you are tempted to say, I can't, This is not a motivational message. It's far from being motivational. But when you say, I can't, can I remind you, who is it that lives in you? Who is it that you're yielding to? Who is it that you're surrendering to? And when that happens, that is when you see the power of God. You don't see the form of godliness. You see godliness on the outside indeed, but you see the power of God working within you. That is, is the evidence of the Holy Spirit. That is the power of God. And that is my hope for all of you because if you come here desiring to want more of Jesus then the same Spirit that raised him up from the dead is the same Spirit that lives in you, you will see it. You will see it. Let me pray for us. Father God, I just know that you see Far deeper than what anyone else can see, Lord. You see my heart. You see what is going on deep within me. You see the pain, the struggles. You see what is happening in the hearts of everyone in this room. And Lord, this isn't a message that judges us, but rather liberates us. It frees us, Lord. It says, look, what are you doing this for? But you say, come to me and you set free. And Father, I thank you that you've given us your Spirit. Because without this, Lord God, we are completely hopeless. But to you we come, Lord. We worship you, Jesus. Father, we worship you, Father, Son, and Spirit. We honor you, Father, Son, and Spirit. For you live and reign within us. You are our hope. You are our freedom. You are our strength. You are everything, Lord. And we thank you. Father, we pray. I pray you bless these people today as they see you for who you are, as they know you for who you are, and as they continue to believe that this Spirit that is in them raised your Son from the dead and is able to raise them up in every area of their lives. Father, grant them this faith. Grant them this faith and strength as we go the week ahead. Believing and trusting in a powerful God. Pray in Jesus' name.